0: Hey folks, welcome back to Hangry and Horny. This is the continuation with the one and only Judy Floreal. Welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me. Woo.
0: Yes. So we just had an amazing podcast just released. A lot of good, favorable feedback and uh, a lot of support, a lot of love. What was, uh, what was it like for you, Judy, after sharing your story and, you know, hearing the uh, support and love and feedback from people.
1: Um, sharing the story was the easy part. I mean talking about what I've been through. And so I know, it's, I know it sounds weird to say it was the easy part, but it is cause it's my story. So I know it so well um, and, you know, it is exciting to share with everybody. And to get such good feedback it always like m- makes me feel a little bit nervous for part 2 because of you know raising expectations but um I need to kind of like just drop that out of my head um and just you know continue to share i suppose my truth my message um but it's been so lovely the feedback's been lovely like so many I don't want to cry but so many people have said you know su- such nice things and you know saying you know how brave I am to share it and you know, I've always, I've always worn, worn my heart and my sleeve, so it doesn't feel unusual to share it, but I suppose to share it on a bigger scale. I suppose that's the kind of bigger thing. Um, but it's lovely, and it's lovely that, you know, I mean, that your life can have an impact on other people. You I mean, you know, for so many times I kinda just thought I was just me and I was just surviving. And now that I'm getting that chance to really grow and thrive, um, it's lovely that other people are recognizing it too. Um, yeah, it's a real privilege.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, you know, for you to be vulnerable, to have that courage and bravery to, to share, you know, some of the, the deeper, um, almost unflattering parts. And, and that's the thing, like, life is messy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, as you had touched in a prior podcast about, like, perfectionists, Perfectionism. You know, we always just want to show like the best parts of ourselves, whether it's on social media and uh, to to give this like curated lie of your life. But, you know, if people were really honest, it's not like an easy path. It's not an easy, uh, you know, life in terms of if you really want to learn, if you want to grow, if you want to mature, it's not going to be that. Uh, Pollyanna-ish you know I mean in the last podcast as I was uh, editing and taking notes you know I even had my own sort of analysis of you know one could say a performance you know you were expressing yourself sharing your story I was being the host trying to pull out at least by my presence uh, maybe by questions as well sort of Uh, more uh, truth and reality that could like help people but you know there's also this sort of voice in the back of our head like how can one improve you know uh in case of this show i felt like the lighting was as good on your end right so you know i wanted to uh instead of just beating myself up like why didn't i do that or whatever it's just like hey just look at it as an iteration process and life is the same thing right so we change the set a little bit it makes it easier for your neck to be able to like you know look at each other and uh, hopefully it looks nice for the audience who are watching the video podcast um but the point is is that um we have to understand in order to truly live, it's not always going to be, you know, puppy dogs and rainbows and, you know, roses. And uh, as much as there was the kind of darker side of your life and the f- fact that, you know, like one question I got from somebody was like, is, is Judy a Christian, hmm. you know? And it's like the way you were talking may have come across that way right because you're talking about miracles you're talking about the bible and i'll i'll ask you that question directly for me you know because of the life that i've lived and i spent time in prayer and meditation i've delved into like multiple kinds of uh, religious denominations and um for me when I listen to myself talk and I say like miracles and signs and, you know, I, I could imagine somebody listening to the other side going like, what is, what is this guy, a kook? Like, is he a religious freak? Right. I may be like embellishing that, but, you know, I want people to understand that we're not lacking like discernment or critical thinking or, you know, the ability to like ask questions. Right. We just use this kind of language because literally like life seems like one big ass miracle, and people aren't really acknowledging that. And for me, if it, it just comes down to like, could we say God? we say universe? But these are just labels. We're trying to describe something that's like so <laughs> profound and so unbelievably incredible. I mean, incredible. It's not credible. It's like it's beyond credible. Right. And and science is great. And you know, we can get into like controversies around what science was supposed to be, which is like question everything, critically think, test, experiment, find out if there's these consistent patterns that we wanna like call like scientific laws. But we have to understand we're all human, too, whether it's religious people in a church. As you were saying, it took advantage of, you know, naive folks or people that have been traumatized in the past. They're looking for some sort of connection. Right. And so they would take advantage, use their power and authority, follow these rules, be part of our community and tribe, and you'll have a good life. You know, if you don't follow them, then you're out, you're on your own, you're excommunicated, you're booted out and good luck, right? But I mean, that's just kind of weird to me, right? And then on the scientific level, if you can't question the the narration around, you know, I mean, the pandemic brought that up and I'm not going to go into it because it's very controversial, but let's just say like, if we were all honest ourselves, we couldn't completely believe our leaders, our media, even the scientists, you know, supposed to be the top scientists. And you find out that there may be some cover-up, there may be some, you know, lies that have been said to, like, protect people or to, you know, maybe, like, make sure that there was enough masks to go around for the, uh, the care workers, so to speak. So... My point is that we're not, we're, we don't lack discernment, right? I wanted to emphasize that because, you know, life is beautiful and it's amazing when you start to see things click into place and you start to live, like I said, you live long enough, you develop a little bit of wisdom, you see patterns. We're not always right, but that's the other thing. Like to be able to admit that you're wrong, to admit that you fucked up right and and I think that's for me you know growing up without a father right and then actually meeting him down the line and and of course he has his version of reality my mom has her version of reality and maybe there's something that's like kind of in between but I kind of value more my mom's reality than my father and the reason and you could probably attest to that too is that like our fathers have not admitted to what they had done, Mm -hmm. right? And in the end, I'm glad that I didn't grow up in that environment, right? And, you know, it's just sad to see that we can fall to sort of charismatic, narcissistic egomaniacs, right? I think it's human to admit that you, you erred, that you, you messed up right to, to do your best. And that's the point. Like I was saying earlier, it's just, it's just messy. And I just want people to understand that, like that don't stop yourself from going out there and living your, your best life and doing what you want to do. Right. And so, I'm just going to shut up and I'll let Judy talk. Cause I don't want to steal all the thunder here. I even forgot the question I was going to ask, but, you know, you, you can, you carry on. Here.
1: Yeah. I was thinking, what was the question? Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because for me, I was never good at lying which is a bit of a funny phrase, but I just was never a good liar. And I mean, I just can't really do it. It just eats me up inside. Like the just, the guilt of it just eats away at me, just corrodes at me. Um, And even sometimes when it's not a lie, but it's, you know, and sometimes, you know, you need to protect people. So you kind of give them not a version of the truth, but a limited amount of information that still would have eaten up at me. So for me to like, and like there's never been, sorry, there's never been like big, big things, but those small things definitely would have eaten away at me and I've struggled with that and I struggled because I was so much like, you know, my heart on my sleeve type person that I kind of just wanted everybody to know everything Um, and that's one thing that I've had to learn is that actually not everybody deserves to know everything about you and not everybody has the right to have that. Um, And I actually used to, you know, kind of almost like vomit everything up about me and my life to people because actually I was just looking for self-assurance. I was looking for their respect. I was looking for their support. I was wanting them to know my worst to make sure that they still liked me. Rather than, oh, we're your friend, we're your friend. And then suddenly they find out something about my past or they find something about what I've been through or they find out that, you know, I'd been in care or whatever it was, you know, whatever things that I felt like it was like a cloud in my life or a dark mark or a scar in my life or something that I wasn't, you know, wasn't proud of. I was always frightened that people, once they got to know that, they would reject me. Um, So I would put it all out there first. So if they're going to reject me, they're just going to do it and get it over and done with and have it done straight away. Um, so I don't, don't think that that's necessarily what most people do, but that's kind of how I lived my life. So I've had to learn, you know, and I had to learn really late in life, you know, late in my thirties to understand boundaries and understand, you know, to respect myself and respect my information and that I don't have to share everything. And also I don't even have to share everything with you. And I love you and I want to share everything with you, but I don't actually have to share absolutely everything. Um, You know, just thoughts or, you know, you know, sometimes you just want to have something just in your heart and it's just for you. And that's okay. That's like really okay. But That's been such a learning process for me to have. Um, And my brain's just kind of gone on a little tangent there. I get that. But what I was kind of getting to is, uh, you know, I don't know how... You could do something really bad and not hold your hands up and say, I messed up. I'm really sorry. And, you mean, I think most people are forgiving. I think most people will listen and will, you know, turn the other cheek. Or if they don't turn the other cheek, they'll be like, yeah, okay, thanks for telling me. But I don't want to have a relationship anymore. But at least you've, at least you've, you know, at least you've tried you know what I mean? And like, there's a recently something that I had to ask for forgiveness for, um, but, you know, family issue. Um, I'd been there for a long time. Um, it had really kind of eaten away at me, actually, because I'd kind of bottled everything up, and then it all blurted out. And when you blurt out the truth, also you blurt out a whole load of emotions and a whole load of anger and stuff as well. So it came out wrong, basically. Um, so my truth came out wrong because I'd bottled it up for too long. Um, so then I had to apologize for how it came out. And, um, being more kind of forceful and aggressive than I meant that I meant to be. Um, and it was good. And even though that person might not really fully accept that apology or give, you know, give me forgiveness, I know that my conscience is cleared. And at the end of the day, I've got to live with me. I'm not living anybody else's life. I can't live anybody else's life. I wanted to live other people's lives for a long time. But, you know, I've had to come to terms with what I've been through, what I've been dealt. Take responsibility for me, for the shortcomings that I've had. You know, that, that, you know, there's definitely issues that I've struggled with for lots of different things. But take responsibility for those because, yes, it might have been other people's fault of what I went through. Some of the fault was mine because I let it happen. You know, as an adult, I let that happen. A child is different, but as an adult, I let people take advantage of me. I put myself in vulnerable situations. Um,
0: but also you didn't have healthy boundaries.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I've had to work that out. But, you know, taking one, that's one of the biggest steps was to take responsibility for myself and take responsibility for my life and take responsibility for the things that I didn't like about myself. Um, And learn to go, right, is that something that I can change? Are there things in my life that I can improve on? How can I better myself? Because at the end of the day, to be able to look in the mirror and be happy with what you see coming back is massive. Like, even the thought of that makes me feel, like, emotional because I know how long it took. I know how long that took. Not to despise what I saw in the mirror. Not to think that everybody thought I was stupid or ugly or I even thought for years I was fat you mean just complete lies it wasn't truth but it was easier to believe a lie than it was to believe something nice about myself or somebody gave me a compliment for years I used to just bat it away and then I learned I had to actually you know accept it because that was actually rude (laughs) it's like they're trying to give you a gift so I was like okay so then I learned to kind of just go okay thank you really uncomfortable kind of thing and then bit by bit by bit it's like oh thank you i really appreciate that and actually genuinely receive it as a gift and know that they wanted to give it to me because it was their truth it's them sharing their truth that's a gift to them like i would feel awful if i give somebody a gift and they rejected it and it was learning oh it's the same thing judith
0: Yeah, just to, you know, and and I acknowledge that that's very true, of course. And with anything, it's not like 100%, right? Because someone could give you a gift and you already have that thing and they'll, they'll be offended by it. And you're going like, hey, it's okay. Like, I don't have to accept this gift. I know where you're coming from. I know it's coming from your heart, right? And that's being true to me. Right. And so I've lost or even created like situations where like I put up a boundary. Right. And it it is a discerning thing. Like, yeah, the easy thing is say, oh, thank you very much. Take it and then like give it to someone else. But for me, I was always seeking approval, I was always like trying to like be the nice guy. And I was like, you know, I got to a point because as you get to know yourself and you mature, you also develop a spine. And you develop the ability to discern, like, why is this person giving me a gift? Because maybe you're starting to sense something that there's like a motive. There's like, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, no, I don't want your gift. Thank you very much. You know, it's very kind of you. And they have to be able to take rejection, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was saying that earlier because I remembered a question, <laughs> and it was like, are you a Christian, right? Oh, yeah. I because I would have been taught told that when I you know, even of all places when I went to uh China cause I was like dating a girl there, right? And I remember when we were talking long distance on the phone, she would say things like, Oh, do you like the killers? And I was like, The killers? And, and you know, because there was even a language barrier somewhere. She spoke really good English, self taught like through watching movies in Hollywood. Right. But she was like, do you like the killers? And I was like, what is she talking about? Right. And I had already met her in, in China and we've, you know, we're dating there and I came back to States. And so I was going to go back to visit her and I was like, that is just so weird. What is, what she, what she mean? You know, I wasn't in, like in touch of what the, uh, I guess the pop, like, music of the time, right? And, and that's what she meant. Like, she was into The Killers, which was a band, right? So we were dating. I went back to China to see her, and everything was great. And then at one point, she turned to me and says, are you a Christian? And I was, like, kind of taken back. I was like, what? And I was like, um, no, I'm not a Christian. Like, you know, I think Jesus is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but... You could see like she was kind of like weirded out because maybe I was like too positive or maybe I was, you know, um, I don't know. Like maybe I I exude like Christian virtues and Christian like even language and she just mistaken. So like it was just weird after like a relationship didn't even work after that. Right. But, you know, it, it was really bizarre like that she would make that assumption assumption and not that like for me that's where labels go crazy and haywire right because it's like hey i'm i'm totally tolerant to what people want to to believe and how they are but in the end we're all human doesn't matter like what color our skin is which is just how much melanin one has in their epidermis or dermal layers right and then you got like literally people programmed to be like oh what team are you on like what politics do you play being in Northern Ireland you start to see all that stuff play out so you know I think you would say the same thing like and I'll put it out there like are you Christian Judy
1: It's funny because I don't a thousand percent know how to answer that because I know, you know, some friends, um, church members that you know that I've been very close with over the years will say that I'm not a Christian anymore because I'm not going to church, and that I'm not worshiping every Sunday, um, and you know, reading my Bible regularly. So I know some people would say that I'm not. Um, For me, I think it's bigger. I mean, that's one, one thing that I felt very much from when I was in the, the, the kind of cult type church. You know, they were very um, exclusive, um, as in nobody else has got it. We're the only ones that have got it right. So exclusive isn't the right word, but um, it was so much like, well, if you don't believe what we believe, then you've not got it right. And you know you you're wrong. You're not you're not going to heaven or whatever. Um, and I had ex- another experience actually here in a church, locally at home, um, and again it was very much like, you know, there is things about you know being Catholic. Um, you know, members there quite clearly being quite vocal about, you know, basically Catholics haven't got it right, um, and you know, it, you know, you Protestant or Presbyterian or whatever is the only is is the only way. And, you know, and then also there was homophobic stuff as well. And I was like, I can't be with an organization that will deny other people entry because of their faith or their religion or their color or their background or anything.
0: Yes, yeah, sexual orientation. Exactly, whatever, yeah.
1: exactly. Do you know, what I mean, there was a beautiful church that I was part of in England um, Eastleigh Baptist Church, put a shout out there because there's so many people there that I just love, and I know that they love me. You mean? Um, and there's so many ones there that I'm still in contact with, and still love me dearly. And it doesn't matter where I am, you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically. They're still there. They still love me. The door is always open, and to me, that's what it's about. That's what. God is about that is what having a faith is about is that it doesn't matter those you know the differences you know from what from what I saw from reading the bible you know I'm believing in God and believing in Jesus from as young as I can ever remember that's what my mom brought me up as what my granny brought me up as you know I mean, it, we were at church all the time you know I mean and for me I understood really early on that God wasn't the church and the church wasn't God because a lot of the people that failed me were in the church, were leaders in the church. The ones that abused or took advantage of me were leaders in the church. That was just the fact. So I learned very early on that they were two separate identities. And to me, God is always God. He's always been there. And also very early on, which I think was a real lifeline for me, is that I, I just had a knowledge that he was always there, no matter what happened no matter how dark things got, or no matter what I did or what happened to me, that God was always there. And that's massive. Mm -hmm. Because there were so many times where it was very dark, very lonely, depressing, anxious, um, just so much going on, so much confusion, so much fear. But I always had that solid in there belief and I don't, I don't feel as if you know i was you know so faithful or i was you know the best christian or whatever that i really believed and prayed for this it just felt like it was a knowledge imparted into me it was just like you know somebody had taught me how to you know learn my alphabet
0: and that's the thing like where and forgive me for interrupting but we've had discussions about this and one may even say disagreements. It could be a difference in language, which I think happens with, you know, even different culture. We speak English, but you speak more Northern Iron English, or, you know, you lived in England, maybe English, English, British English. I'm American English, California, maybe in surfer dude English, right? So, um, but you say he, right? Like for me, yeah. I went to catholic school i wasn't baptized i felt like an outcast my sister and i were asking begging our mom like can we be baptized so we can be like our friends we always felt different Mm -hmm. right because even though we went to church services we couldn't like go up and take the bread or the body of christ um and that was weird. Like we had to sit in the back, like we were in a segregated, like bus or something. And so I just remember my mom distinctly saying like, God loves you no matter what, like you don't need to go to church in order to, you know, be loved by God, right? Like uh, God is everywhere. And, you know, I think even my mom's even amazed that she said those things, you know, she means it, but, It was just amazing wisdom that came out of her, right? So you said that, you know, people imparted this on you, right? Like learning the alphabet. And to me, that's like a program, like the experience of God or the universe, especially when I had, and then I used the same Christian lingo, like the dark night of the soul when I had nothing and I called out to god because i questioned the word god i had debates with people about god and i was like how do you know it's god how do you know it's a he right is it some bearded white dude in the cloud like what's up with you know what's it what's the devil like am i going to hell because you know it's like all these questions and at my lowest point when i had this sort of mental breakdown i called out to god please help me and I cried myself to sleep, and I remember waking up in the morning like the veil had been removed from my eyes, and I saw the world like I was a child again. Everything was new and bright and clear and light, and I had no context for it. Although, like, I went to religious, like, learned about the re- the Catholic version of religion, right, or... I grew up with my family and, and everybody was a different now now it's confusing different denomination, right? We had like Buddhas in the house, we had we had people that were Mormons, some people were Methodists, some people were, you know, uh Yeah, Catholic, right? And so but then I would hear about like Jewish people and like Muslim people and I was like, Well, who the authority of this thing that we called life? Right. And, and these like sort of prophets that come. And so to say the least, to have the experience of, of God, which for me, like, even though I had that like experience, I'm very careful because there's still the skeptic in me. There's still the scientist in me. I wouldn't say that like if you were going to label it, like I couldn't say that I'm an atheist because Like how does all this organized intelligence, organized chaos happen, right? How did our cells do what they do Mm -hmm. without like us being the orchestrator of that, right? So it's like all these things in life are just kind of like happening and like no one can explain that mystery. And I think the truth is if you can say like, I don't know, Mm -hmm that I, I know that I don't know. Like, I think that's like the closest to truth that anybody's ever gotten. And it's just interesting, different perspective that people have based on like their like cultural upbringings and experiences and uh, strip all that away. Like to me, we're just, we're human beings. It doesn't matter. Like all these different labels, the labels are useful for communication but again, like you said, like God isn't the church and the church isn't God, right? And and we can't put all our power into these like authority figures or leaders. And and I and that's I think we're we're moving towards, even though we may use a different word for things, but we're moving toward like I hope more maturity, uh, a path to individuation. Cause you talked about like it's okay that you don't share everything with me and vice versa, right? Like, you know, people in the church especially say, oh, I have to tell the truth all the time. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you're trying to save someone's life, like in, you know, the, the Nazi uh, takeover of the Jews and like you have like German people or, or Polish people, Austrian people hiding Jews from the Germans, and, and the Germans knock on the door and say like, do you know where this person is? You know, Jewish background. You're, gonna, you're not going to say, yeah, they're in my house. I'm hiding them in the basement. <laughs> you're going to say, no, sir, I don't know. You know, you're just going to say, no, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and I think that's where like the church can go wrong. I think any kind of like, organization or a team or tribe or political affiliation when when people can't even like question or have a, a public square debate or a conversation and just be critical and not always agree with each other that's dangerous right and so just i think because of your upbringing you didn't have that sort of developmental process of like discernment it was just all church like sunday school all day long sunday and then like working on the farm and if you didn't do what was told you got like smacked right so i'll shut up again
1: (laughs) i was thinking um it's like everything it's all a journey there's never a day that you've made it You mean, or if there's something that you've been trying to achieve, there's still room for improvement. Um, And I feel like having faith or belief for me is a journey, you know, and it has changed. But fundamentally, I still have a belief that there is something, someone much greater than me that has helped me, protected me kept me safe guided me so many times that I can't I could never deny I would never want to deny it either um you know and I've had the conversations with my sisters as well and you know we've all seen that we've been loved and looked after and cared for you mean we had the conversation one time and I think we stopped at 13 times that we should have died and we didn't um and it's not obviously the nicest conversation to have but it was interesting it was like there's you know, if it's not, it's not your time to go. It's not your time to go. But also, the times when it, you know it looked as if it was, you know, times up. Just how, it literally, it's a miracle. Just how things have, you know, changed, lifted. Uh, something's just shifted. I mean, it's unexplainable. Like there's been times that I've had a knowledge. Um, particularly in a big car accident um, where I had a lorry uh, drive into me because it didn't see me.
0: For my American listeners. Oh, a truck. (laughs) A big rig.
1: A big truck, um, big articulated truck heading to Southampton docks. Didn't see me in the dark, in the rain. It's a a stretch on on the motorway on the M3 that's actually really not well lit. But I had a knowledge just before he put the indicator on that he couldn't see me and I needed to get out of the way. And that wasn't just logical. You know, I'm busy and it's rush hour traffic and it's raining and it's dark and da, 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 da. Um, And, you know, I had a friend, they were chatting to me in the the passenger seat. You know, there's lots of things going on, but I just knew, no question, without a doubt, I needed to move. And thank goodness I put my foot down and I kind of closed up the gap between me and the car in front. So the truck, instead of hitting me, literally at my window hit, the petrol cap um, and then I was obviously braced for it because I knew it was going to I literally knew it was going to happen um, and I'm like holding that steering wheel with all of my might so instead of the car just like shoving right over across the hard shoulder then into the barrier and then it was literally just rock because it was cut out through the, through the mountain there wasn't anywhere else to go You I mean instead of slamming against that we kind of like wobbled all over the place and then eventually came to a stop the standstill like there's, there's, there's no question that you know the universe, creator, God, whoever is there, told me, gave me that knowledge beforehand. You I mean? And there's been there's been other times where that's happened, and it's like totally undeniable. I mean? And but.
0: It, so you saying that you feel like there's some sort of present?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe I just
0: guardian t- angels. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. I use the same language. I feel like there could be, there seems to be more than likely because of all the experiences we had where we almost died multiple, multiple times, right? And we're still here. But are we just saying that because it makes us feel better? I mean, you know, some people call it an intuition or a sixth sense. In the end, we're... pretty much talking about the same thing i believe Mm. that we just come from different lenses you know or imagine like multiple lenses all aligned you know one would be like you know the christian lens and then you had your little like um scientific lens in between and your cultural lens and your you know, language lens, like all of these different lenses. Imagine, and that's like, it's how you see the world, right? And you can like switch these lenses in and out. Mm-hmm. If we can like, you know, like walk what, a mile or so in someone else's shoes. Like, I love these metaphors and analogies, right? Because like, where do they come from? They come from like people's experiences. And then you could just say that one thing and everybody would get it. Right.
1: So, I think life is beautiful. It is beautiful. And even on the hardest days, even in the trickiest times, if you're able to just pause yourself, um, we talked about double A Matt. um, You know, there's lots of different tips that he's given me. And one of the ones was uh, eat with calm. And he always goes, calm, calm. And I was like so true because I literally would like guzzle my food down as if I'm like a dog and somebody's like going to steal it from me. I've always eaten like that. Um, But it's just that moment where you just pause. And like we always do, we say prayer every time before we have whatever we're going to eat at the dinner table. You mean
0: you Yeah, and if you're a fly out of the wall, you guys would think we're a, a bunch of goofy hippies, <laughs> care bears and rainbows and, you know, the silliest prayers. But the point is, is that we're having, like, gratitude, yeah, thanksgiving and, yeah. and reverence for, you know, maybe an animal that gave its life so that we can eat and survive and thrive. And, you know, but also to, like, respect, your body and food by not like chowing down, like, you know, you are like an animal, right? So.
1: But yeah, exactly. So true. It's like every moment that we have, whenever you can take literally just a moment to appreciate whatever is around you, whatever's going on. You mean, so with food now, it is that to savor it, to really enjoy it, I digest it better so much better i feel so much better Well, for
0: that. on a sort of i guess nutritional scientific level your saliva is the first is your first stomach really mm-hmm. right that is has all the enzymes and all the i guess the catalytic converters i don't know what to say but, but essentially that's where digestion begins and you're bypassing that right and you had talked about having issues with Uh, going to the bathroom like in the past and I've had issues just because I was an athlete and I just wanted to throw down food right I love food I grew up around lots of cultures in San Francisco so I really enjoy food and I just want to throw it down especially if I'm hungry but that comes down to like awareness and mindfulness and then you realize, like, as you learn more about, like, how the human body works and about fight or flight and stress hormones, like, you don't want to eat your food and, sh- like, fight or flight. Like, you know, like, you got to guzzle it down and then go running or fighting. That's just ridiculous, right? So, it just again, that's just maturity. Mm-hmm. And for us, that's been our health journey as we... You know, overall, people look at us, say, like, oh, they're healthy, but that's just not enough for us. Like, we have high standards. We want to live our best life. We want to, and not to be like dogmatic or that we can't even enjoy like a beer or a shot of whiskey, which we do being in Ireland, being in pubs, you know. But, you know, back to what you're saying is eating with calm, right? And slowing things down.
1: I think it's, for me, that is just a reminder of taking a moment and being grateful. That's what the being calm for me is. Yes, there's lots of other benefits to it, but it is that grateful, grateful that I'm with you, grateful that we have a table to sit and enjoy and eat our food together and to have that time together like so many people don't, you know, working you know, separate shifts or, you know, kind of passing ships in the night, all that kind of stuff, to actually have that that quality time together to to chat and to eat and to enjoy that time. Um, And it is, it's just taking those moments, because before I didn't. You know, I was always rushing to go everywhere. I couldn't just give myself an extra five minutes to leave the house so I didn't actually have to physically run to the train or speed on the in the car or like run somewhere else when I was supposed to be like walking there it's it's, it's giving myself
0: program rat race
1: yeah but it like there is more to it as well because I it, a lot of it for me and I ha- I still haven't managed it I'm not timekeeping has never been a strong point uh, friends and family will testify
0: I would just <laughs> testify to that as well but
1: i'm getting better
0: <laughs> yes there that's the point of the earlier you know when we were starting out about like iterating and making improvements small changes every day over time is exponential mm-hmm. and that's been like our process right like with this podcast i'm trying to improve every time every day I'm exercising if I do a, a move a certain way I'm trying to like get more skillful and more graceful right and so that's the same like with timekeeping right or cleaning your room or vacuuming the house like just the little things that you can do to improve the quality of your life and things take effort like I talk about flow and in this sense of effortlessness but to get there, it takes effort, and it mm. takes repeat, repeated mistakes, errors, and then adjusting, adopting, and then trying again. Mm. And for me, most of that, most of the
1: things that I've made and the changes that I've made in my life is because I valued myself. I started to learn to love myself. I started to learn to value myself. I started to learn that I didn't... My life wasn't to serve everybody and everything around me because I looked after everything and everyone. Bar me, I was always the last on the list, which was why I didn't sleep enough. I didn't give myself enough time to get ready. I didn't give myself enough time, you know, if something went wrong on the road and the traffic and the journey. I never... You know, you always want to turn up like half an hour, 15 minutes early, which to me was like absurd... But I get it now because it's so nice to arrive somewhere and you've got time to just have a minute, go for a little walk, check your phone, brush your hair, you know, do whatever you want to do, but just to have that time. So you're not just coming in in a big whirlwind, you're there and you're present and you're ready and you're ready to engage with whoever you're you know, visiting or whatever you're doing. And I think that's the thing, it's like being present is being present is a gift for others but it's a gift for me because I wasn't present for myself I think that actually was huge as well that's it's all tied into that self-love and I know self-love is sounds very airy fairy kind of thing but it's the real real practical stuff like I take more time to brush my teeth cuz jeez i used to brush my teeth as if they were <laughs> stainless steel i know and you know? you're bleeding every bleeding time bleeding gums cuz i just brushed them so fast yeah there was no care and i'm like
0: i wouldn't bleed my gums but i would i would pretty much take off the enamel on my teeth right just that's because crazy. i was like so tense and that's the thing like just awareness being more conscious and mindful of things you start to like pick up oh i'm like an ogre in some aspects of my life right (laughs) whether like you're walking in general and you're you're walking so heavy-footed right or you're you're just jamming the toothbrush in your mouth right it's just or the way we close doors or like cupboard cabinet doors it is just mind blowing when i actually observe people including myself and and that's what you're saying about like self love it's just being with yourself you talked about the flotation tank sensory deprivation to be able to just be floating in salt water on your back in complete darkness with no input coming out from your external environment and you're just left with yourself and when you sit there with yourself, things come up, things you may not like about yourself or things that you've done in the past. Like we all, if we're healthy human beings, have a conscience and we don't need religion. I mean, if that's your thing, go for it, right? Because if we're talking about the church, talking about organizations and tribes and those things are great. Like, I'm all about those things, as long as they're not abusing people and taking yeah. advantage of them. And if if you love rooting for your team or your church is actually a good church and they were re- as best they could vet out these people that end up, you know, preying on naive and very susceptible people that have been traumatized before, because that was your... Your story that you told, and I, I sat there and go, holy crap! I, I didn't, I knew of it, but it really emphasized that there are people that literally sneak into these organizations and prey on little kids, and prey on even adults that have not healed from the traumas and abuse of the past. And so you're talking about truth and telling the truth, and these people take what you say and use it against you right and this this thing called gaslighting right people are gaslighting each other all the time like partly because our memory is kind of shitty you know it's not the best way I mean they know that in a court of law right everybody's going to have their version of an incident or an event based on the lenses so it's not the most accurate way. So that in itself is almost like a faulting human program, right? And then you tie that in with people taking advantage of people because certain people are just so nice and so kind and never develop like healthy boundaries or the ability to discern whether someone is like like fucking with you or not, you know? And so, like, I joke all the time because I love your foster mother, right? She's my, my foster mother-in-law in love. But in the beginning, she was looking at me hardcore, <laughs> right? She would turn her head with, like, almost one eye, and she discern. She'd look at me, and I'd look at her back the same way, and I'd go, <laughs> I see that you're looking at me looking at you I'm looking at you you looking at you know it was funny it was like a western standoff but I love that about her because she knows what you've been through right so she was testing me and I was still sweating buckets right but I could tell her like I'm sweating buckets because I know what for me it was just like my past trauma right just being put on a hot seat so it wasn't indicative of what was happening in the moment because I was able to address it. I was vulnerable I'm like I'm sweating buckets at me at right now I know you're looking at me you know I'm looking at you right and she just started giggling and laughing right and I think that's when we like we're able to connect and and I'm so grateful for your foster parents for being there for you and your sisters, right? And they know known what the church organizations have done in the, the good sense is giving people structure. It gives people faith. it gives people like a sense of being part of something greater. you know it, it helps with like being in service of those in need right it's it's an amazing place to be part of a community of people that work together to better society there's always a load of amazing things about these kind of organizations but they've also seen leaders and sub subjugates or subordinates of leaders abuse people including you and people that they know they just said you know we've had it we've we're dying with church you know and so
1: but i but but i know as well being you know what they're saying being done with church doesn't mean you're done with god doesn't mean you don't have a faith doesn't mean that um you you've kind of closed that spiritual part of yourself you can't to me everything in life is spiritual and i know that sounds very big and grand but literally everything is do you know what I mean? It's like.
0: Look how big the universe is.
1: You know, it's just incredible. Like, there's just. Like, we still have no idea really how the body works, how it's all interconnected, how every little system in the body is webbed together. It's like the most beautiful, amazing ecosystem. We can heal from so many things. Geez, I've tested that. I put it through. <laughs> I put it through several tests about chopping parts of my body off and hurting this and damaging that. Whatever. It's incredible how it heals and how it comes back and how it can actually come back and be even stronger than it was before. Like it's just incredible.
0: Um, and they're still learning about it, right? Like yeah,
1: exactly, alike. and
0: that's to be honest about saying like. This is the best that we have, and we don't know all of it. It's still a mystery. Like, neuroscience is further than it's ever been, and they still go, we don't know how the brain works. We, we're getting a better sense with the help of artificial intelligence and certain, you know, measurements of instruments. But outside of that, like, the, the true scientists say I don't know and a religious leader would say like it is a grand mystery mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and it's all God, you know, like and there are certain people that maybe exemplified certain like virtues that were just extraordinary but to claim and not just me like to claim like one person is The perfect being that was favored by this male god right and all of us are sinners you know it's just like whoa that's that's intense right and but i'm okay if people believe with that like i'm all about like freedom you know like that's that's the point like come to a place where if that works for you that's great like can we have a conversation about it Even better, I've had late night debates with people and it was great. We still remain friends. Unfortunately, like the pandemic, I've lost friends and that's because they didn't want to talk about it. Not that I don't want to be friends. They don't want to be friends with me, right? Or we put our boundaries up. There was like a point where we were like, hey, you guys are crossing the line. Like, no, right? Like this is starting to look like totalitarian 1984 george orwell stuff right like you know brave new world like what is going on why is everybody just going along with things understandable when it first started no one knew but as more data came and as time went on we started looking around going like okay and then you know people are gonna get it right but who was talking about exercise who was talking about getting good rest mm-hmm. and eating better, and you know all the good things that keep your immune system strong, right? I went on a tangent there, but your point is, um, I'm not
1: sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess for me, it's just we should be able to communicate. We should be yeah. able to have the hard talks and to be like it's okay to uh, disagree Mm -hmm. that's not going to stop us from being kind to each other respectful yes if you don't want to be my friend you have the freedom to do that if you don't like something and you say it you have the freedom to do that i have the same freedom Mm -hmm. to say something opposing or contrarian not because i'm trying to be Difficult, or I'm trying to like be a jerk about just almost like a childish way of like you know going against what someone else believes. It's just like, hey, let's just suss this out, let's look at what this experience of life is, and let me see your. Because I learned so many things from so many people that I was like, oh, never thought of that. Mm -hmm. Because, in a sense, when I was younger, I thought I was like more of a liberal type person as I get older i'm I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm becoming more conservative, but i'm I look at like the spectrum, like I'm actually like more middle, right, but then someone might say, I'm like far right or far left, and but I think we all just it's not so simple, it's so complex each person, and like do yourself a good service and actually get to know someone. Right, even if you disagree on things, but in the end, there's respect, Mm -hmm. and and that—that's what I hope to come across, even with this podcast, is that people start to get along in a sense of respect. If you have something that you want to talk about, go address it. You know, it's good for your health to be able to get it out. Like you said, you said sorry to someone because of the way that you got mad at them for doing something, right? And so now you can look at yourself in the mirror. You can sleep at night. You're at peace. They forgave you. And even if they didn't forgive you, there were so many times in my life where I fucked up and I said sorry, and they were like, fuck off, (laughs) Right? and i i said i respect that i'm sorry and i let them alone i went on with my life i let them go on with their life and i could look at myself and say you did it tony you said sorry you did your best you can't change people and i learned to accept that that reality right and that's part of maturing you don't want to be some crazy stalkers. <laughs> Someone doesn't want to, like, be in a relationship with you. You have to respect that, right? Like, you might, like, try one or two times, but if they say, like, no more, like, walk yeah. away, right? And it's
1: hard. That's happened to me, too. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. And that's
0: the thing you said about the cult stuff, right? Yeah,
1: and, and that was, like, that almost broke me. It broke my heart because... Like, I knew I needed to leave. I knew that there was so much there that was wrong. Um, but I A, I didn't know how, but also B, I was heartbroken. You know I mean, I was, you know, at, you know leading the kids, you know, Sunday school leader. Um, and I loved those kids. And those kids are adults now. And there's one or two that are, actually have gotten in touch, which is amazing. But, jeez, I love those wee kids, do you know what I mean? And they really looked up to you, you know, Was that kind of really, and I'm saying kids, they were like 11, 12, 13, they're such like important years in your life of where you're really forming how you're feeling and how you're thinking and your all that change with your hormones and school and there's so much going on um, and I really, f- it felt hard like when I actually got thrown out, it was so sad because I could never tell them what I really thought, you know I mean, because you know, back in the days, I actually didn't have a mobile phone. You I mean, or I would definitely, they wouldn't have had mobile phones. you I mean, and then the parents probably didn't want to even have any contact with me and that kind of thing. So I just had to just leave and just, I felt heartbroken to just leave and not be able to say, you know, explain what what was going on. But then also I couldn't explain what had going on because they were so in part of that, of that, that group of, you know, it was the leadership within that group that I was saying, this is what they've done to me. You I mean I didn't really feel as if I could go in and tell them and destroy their whole idea of the organization that they were, you know, literally had, you know, circled their lives around.
0: Yeah, well, you said that the the head person, you know, took you in for 3 days and spent those time convincing you that you were the person that was wrong, right? And it was just this is what goes on in these like dark aspects of organizations they're trying to save face it's a pr issue they're trying to like keep the machine going right instead of actually saying like we need to address it because at my catholic school our monsignor the head guy was molesting a bunch of altar boys right i remember this guy shaking his hand looking up to him he was like super cool he was driving a Chevy IROC convertible, white leather, white paint. But he was banging, like, the moms of these, like, altar boys. And, you know, it was like, but when that came out, it was, it was the Catholic Church was covering. and they just moved them to another diocese. Yeah. And then finally it came out, you know, and so, like, I don't know, like, how many of my own friends who were altar boys, like, did it happen to them? Right. But it was years later. And then this Monsignor finally got convicted, but I don't think he went to like proper prison. He went to like some kind of like, you know, isolated place, you know, where he had to serve time, but you know, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about, right. Where it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're, impressionable you obviously have a connection with the kids but like they basically manipulated you right to the point where you're actually lucky that they kicked you out
1: oh it was
0: right because you would have stayed and now how many victims stay in a relationship or an organization even though they're abused yeah right because of what like you know they they justify it, they rationalize it, right? Well, so.
1: I think for a lot of it, it's the fear of the unknown as well. <laughs> I mean, because when I was there, everything was so controlled. And, you know, when, when I was in that bubble and I was happy in that bubble, I was blissfully happy because I didn't make any decisions for myself. They literally made all my decisions, all my choices, what I ate, what I listened to, what I, you know, spent my time on, um, what I
0: believed, just everything was covered. What does that sound like? A cult. I know, but mind control. Yeah, culture. What's yeah. going on right now? in the western world
1: but also that that kind of brainwashing as well so when i when i see that happening now in different ways through different mediums different um quite a lot in the media and stuff as well that kind of brainwashing where they're kind of saying well this might happen and this is the response and this is what you know this is This is what this means. And they're kind of preempting lots of stuff. And then that thing happens. And then people go, oh, yes, you told us that might happen. Oh, yes, you've told us how to react. Okay, we will react in that way. And I've seen that happen and happen and happen again the last few years. And that's scary because I was literally there. Right. I was literally there and I thought it was right and I thought everything was good until it wasn't. And then it was literally like, one switch and it was like suddenly horror I went in from this everything's great and lovely and happy to horrendous and then it was like I was still in my my world and I still had a function in this world but I wasn't me anymore I literally like was this kind of like shadow type person because I couldn't be who I was within it because I didn't fit but then I didn't fit anywhere else because I'd made myself so separate within that, within that environment, I didn't fit anywhere else. And to leave was scary. To leave was unknown. To leave or be thrown, I, I knew I was going to get cut off. I have family there. I've still family there. You mean, it wasn't just friends. It was actual like blood family as well as them feeling like my family. That organization felt like my family, you know, and, and, it, and I so longed to be Fully accepted, and I so longed to be fully loved for who I was. And I, you know, I just, I just, it's just that love, that belonging, that acceptance. It's kind of what I had always dreamed of, and I thought I'd made it. And then suddenly it all came crashing down. And even though it was horrendous, I'm grateful that it did. I'd still be there. They had me lined up to marry a guy, and they were dropping hints left, right, and center. The leadership were dropping major hints that to marry this guy and i remember him and i having a little heart to heart going yeah i really like you and you know you're great but i don't like you in that way and he's like neither do i we were so relieved because we were being forced together and we there was zero attraction there was zero connection from that point of view um that's scary
0: bizarre
1: it is, but it's scary and it happens. And you yeah. just think, geez, it doesn't just happen in arranged marriages in different different religions or different places in the world. It's happening in England. Yeah. How many other places is actually happening where people are kind of railroading people, going maybe with best intentions, but they're railroading people into something of a life of unhappiness. Um, and I think, you know what we were saying earlier? For me, when I was able to boil it all down and go... It's not good and I need to get out and I need to basically figure out a new framework because my foundations now were gone and that's scary because you have to start from the start and you really don't know what you're doing and you don't have a support network around you. Um, And because I'd kind of cut off contact with my natural family, my foster family, school friends, I didn't really have much contact with a lot of them anymore and it was my fault. And um, because I'd been like, oh, you're not really in this group now. So I'm kind of rejecting you and I'm not mm-hmm. listening to what you're saying. And just literally, I was so close minded. Like there was times when they were arguing with me and trying to get me to see sense. And I don't remember those arguments. I don't remember those discussions at all. It's just like I was just so like.
0: Yeah. Under a spell, you're hypnotized, yeah, right?
1: Under yeah. this kind of like big kind of. Just, yeah, just, it's like a, a horse with the little... blinders. yeah. It was just, I couldn't, I wasn't going to see anything else.
0: But just, like, so the people listening right now or watching, it's like, this is actually happening to us on a daily basis, not just with organization, just within ourselves. Mm. So it's like, we need to, like, analyze ourselves and be critical of, like, these archetypes that are running these sort of... scenarios in our heads but like how many times do we do things and we don't realize that we're doing them you know it's one thing that you're so skilled at something that you don't have to think about it anymore but it's another thing where you are going from one room to grab something you get to that room and you you go why am i here or you know it's like there's lapses and and that's scary right so that's actually happening like that happened for you in this organization at the same time once you snap out of that spell it's embarrassing it's embarrassing that you go i got taken yeah. as a like a fool and then it's embarrassing to go back home and and admit that you you were taken even though everybody was telling you judy you you're being taken right now and you didn't want to hear it you you don't even remember hearing them talk to you about that right and at the same time to to go back and and be vulnerable and like have no choice but to go back cuz there's nowhere else to go right and and that's hard I, I could see why a lot of people stay in a relationship or an organization a cult because they don't want to go back and look like the idiot yeah. as well. It's an ego thing as well. So,
1: and I think when I did get chucked out, I don't even know who I really told. I was super isolated then, um, and I was I had to leave where I was living. You know, find a new home. Ended up living in a not a good place. Literally getting bullied by the other girls in the house and stuff. It was just weird, there was loads of weird things going on at that point and at that time. But I don't think I really opened up to anybody. I kept myself very isolated, um, really unhealthy. And then, you know, got together with my ex-husband. And I I didn't really solve any of the issues and I didn't really, some of it I did solve and some of it, you know, like I understood it was wrong. Um, and that I was thinking wrong and that I needed to not live a life of fear and not live a life of um, rejecting lots of things and lots of people because they didn't fit into one agenda. Uh, You know, I had to be broader-minded thinking, but I hadn't really fully worked that out. And then along comes, you know, the charming prince, He's like promising all these wonderful things and this wonderful life together and everything was great. And then, you know, get married and then a few days later, oh, something's wrong. And then that was, you know, step by step by step and I was basically in the exact same situation. Vulnerable, haven't worked my stuff out, not enough confidence in myself, thinking that this person knows it all, listening to everything that they're saying and it's slowly drip by drip by drip and then suddenly... You know, you come to the end of the relationship and it's disaster. Do you know what I mean? No self-confidence, think I'm fat, because that's what they told me. Um, all of the, all of those things just had eroded myself away and worked every minute of every day in my head and physically to make that person happy and to make that situation work. But again, I was living the lie. I was more aware this time that I was living the lie
0: but, but you're still living the light. Yeah, still
1: living the lie and
0: just a lesser degree. Yeah. I think that's just part of living and, and processing. We don't get it right the first yeah. time, you know? Hopefully it doesn't like wipe you out that you can move on and you know, it's like it can be very devastating mm-hmm. for people. You know, a lot of people do take their lives mm-hmm. after being taken as a fool, you know, and it's they, they don't know if they have any other options yeah and there's plenty of help but sometimes like we just have too much pride to ask for help you know and, and that's it's it's across the board like I have a hard time asking for help, right so I, I can imagine but generally people I like, call them my earth angels, but they kind of can see through, you and they can see that you are crying for help you know we we're talking about um you know like the really extreme examples of mental health uh, you know politically in, uh, in uh, politically incorrect it's like it's a form of like disorder like there's like a illness right like based on what society agrees is what's like healthy, what's normal and what's outside those ranges. Right. And we heard this from a friend that like people cry for help in the most weird ways and most people miss it, you know? And, uh, fortunately in my case, right. Because I've realized that I've fallen into like cultish, Uh, groups and individuals over and over and over again right like you know even this idea of being like in bliss right like I was meditating I literally got high off my own supply and that was the fall of my first marriage right because I was the guy that would check out anytime conflict would happen right and mainly because I didn't like the anger that was coming out of me and the sort of instigation and engagement that, like, was coming up with my relationship. And at one point, I literally got so mad, I, like, punched the door, like, cracked the door. I punched the fridge, put a dent in it, and I saw our our little dog run out and freaked out and... I went to our dog to bring him back and he ran away from me and I was like I do not want to be like this this is this is scary right like that could have taken a turn for like the worse but what did I do I went the other way I started meditating more every time like my my wife would like poke at me or say something I would just smile at her like oh that's cute like instead of saying like, hey, what's going on? Why are you upset? I would just walk away. I would go in the corner and meditate. I would like take a walk. I I literally would just check out. And so she, over time, like didn't feel like I was there anymore, you know? And so, life is interesting and, and, you know, hopefully we can learn, right? Back to the beginning, like, sometimes (laughs) it's messy right and sometimes like you're not gonna get that first marriage that lasts forever or that relationship or whatever you do if you start a new business or you decide to leave to be an entrepreneur or you decide that you want more security and you want to work for an organization right there isn't anything that's like known right like all of us are gonna die at some point like we don't know when right so that's where we're getting at i believe is that if we can just value life and the moment because we know we've almost died multiple times right a lot of it was just being naive and stupid or having the best intentions in my case right and then luckily coming out of it going like holy shit that was a close call or there's other instances like i'm in the flow states but even after a while i realized i was getting addicted to those right and so i was under these spells of something that i like where it does feel timeless and effortlessness but again i'm mistaken it for not doing any effort anymore Hmm. right not feeling the heat or the the stress of learning something new and feeling like awkward and clunky and frustrated. And why can't I get this answer or solution? And then I always remember certain people like mentors that said, I remember in a physics class, our teacher said, if you feel like your brain's gonna explode, you're on a verge of a breakthrough, right? He said, walk away from the problem. And sure enough, the solution will appear whether you're taking a shower, taking a shit, or you're sleeping. It's amazing. The solutions just appear out of nowhere, right? So if we can just feel the burn of learning because that is the process of learning and life is one big ass classroom and school and then not beat ourselves up, right? Like, Just be okay. You know, ask for help. Be an individual. You can be an individual within a collective group. There's nothing wrong with that. You can be in a collective group and still be an individual. But don't lose yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Don't lose your, your intelligence, your creative thinking, your critical thinking, right? Like if something doesn't feel right, and it's peer pressure walk away i mean it's hard i had to learn that the hard way but i've literally walked away from friends because i don't like the world that they're in and nothing against them they can keep doing that i'm happy that they have the freedom to do that but it's okay that i can be alone you know it's okay to walk away from a tribe and be alone with yourself Right. And and I, I hope that people will be able to take that on more and more, you know, like we disagree all the time. It may look like on podcast that we agree with everything and we're like yes people to all the stuff or you know, like one thing is I challenge you, like, yeah, you do ask questions in a certain way that like like makes me feel the teacher that you're not respecting me teaching you in that context right so it's like hey judy it's how you ask the question right it's not you question i want you to question everything please it's just like how you question right but i also have to look at my own ego and say why am i hurt that she asked that way what's in me and that's why they call it the shadow right because why am i getting all pissed off and angry right? That you, you just say, I'm just asking a question. And it's like, no, you're not. Right. And maybe I'm like seeing a a world because of my past or other programming or a spell. So I have to be honest and go, wow, maybe she was just asking a question or maybe she wasn't gaslighting me or, you know, it's like, that's what I was saying. Like, if we can just do that with ourselves, If we can just do that, I think, yeah, the world would be a better place and everybody would be, you know, an individual. They're maturing. They see it is a long journey and a process. Everything's a process. You know, you're not going to become a success overnight, right? It's really rare. It's most people have to work hard and struggle, hopefully you're struggling working hard towards something that you want to do with your life because it is so limited we almost lost our life so many times and that was the thing we're like gosh this can end am i gonna like go to my grave like doing something i hate
1: but also having a whole stack of regrets yeah i think that's almost a bit full circle of coming back going no i will say sorry no i will Put things right the best that I can because I don't want to live a life of regret. There's been too many sad things that have happened so far. I don't want to hold that. It's too heavy, it's too much of a burden to hold. Um, and I remember one thing that, uh, you know, is very simplified, but it works and it still works for me now is that what am I doing and why am I doing it? So for me, it was like, what it, what is my motive? Am I doing something because I'm scared? Am I doing something basically because of fear? Or am I doing something because of love? And it was learning to know the difference. Because there's plenty of times I've done nice things because I'm a nice person and I like doing things for other people. And, you know, it could be quite practical and make stuff and cook things and bake things and or whatever. But actually sometimes it was actually out of fear because I really wanted them to love me. I really wanted them to accept me and I was basically manipulating. I didn't mean to, that wasn't, that wasn't the intention, but it kind of was. And I'd like to understand and go, Oh, right. Okay. To break it right down and go, can you do everything that you do because you're motivated by love? There's so much that i did because I was motivated out of fear. And it was to kind of break that right down and be like, right, oh yes, love. Right, well, I can't really love anybody unless I love myself. And that's where the self-love comes in. And it's not the airy-fairy stuff. It is that day-to-day stuff of giving myself enough time to eat my food, brush my teeth, prepare proper food so I can actually have a nice or a healthy lunch or whatever it is, or make sure that I have the time to go to that store to get the organic food or you know, the local suppliers or whatever, rather than just pick up whatever convenience food on the way because I'm rushing, because I haven't given myself enough time. And to me, it was always about time. It was always that to love myself is to give myself time. Um, If I'm sore, rest. If I'm tired, rest. Have a sleep, have a bath, go out for a walk. If I want to run, go for a run whatever it was, it was to, to love myself, to give myself the time. And then once I would got that more established, because then I could really truly love other people, there wasn't a motive behind it. Because I wasn't needing them to make me feel better. I think that's all it is. It's like an energy exchange. And sometimes when you're not creating enough energy in yourself, you try and get it from other people. And some people do it in a hard way, in a horrible way, and they're basically bullying people, um, and kind of like snatching it from people. But then other people would have kind of done it in a indirect, kind of manipulating. Type yeah, way. more sophisticated yeah. for sure. Yeah. But I, it's it's to kind of boil it all down, and I think for me, it's it's understanding. Yes, taking that time to think. Right, why why am I doing what? Am I doing what? Am I doing it for? Or who am I doing it for? And what's my motivation? And it's basically, and I think everything can be boiled down to love or fear. You mean, I've seen so many people act in so many different ways, particularly over the pandemic, particularly over the last few years, because they are literally ruled by fear. And I've been there and I had most of my life there. And I don't wanna go back there again. I can't, like I mentally can't go back there again and live in a fear state every day. Like, it made me physically sick. You I mean, I was so sore in so many places in my body, but I was physically sick so often as well. It just destroyed me and I can't do it anymore. So it is that standing in my truth. And it's hard because a lot of people don't get it, particularly if you're not following the agenda, particularly if you're not following what's coming across on you know mainstream media, BBC news or whatever. But I've got to stand in my truth and I've got to stand and know that I've got the right motivations. I'm doing my best to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm still kind of figuring it out. I'm not too sure how to kind of form it, but that I'm basically being true to myself.
0: Yeah, you're doing your best. And like a,
1: it's, like a, it's like I've got that moral compass and I'm following my own moral compass and I'm listening to my intuition because I switched that intuition off for most of my life and I didn't rely on it and I didn't trust it. And then when suddenly I couldn't rely and trust on other people, I felt lost because I didn't know myself. Like there was times when I stood in the supermarket and I just cried and I was obviously embarrassed, but I actually didn't know what fit I liked. Like I was so disconnected from myself I didn't even know what I liked to eat because I had never.
0: Because you were told what to eat.
1: Yeah, I was told because I always cooked what they wanted to eat. I didn't really know what I actually liked. It was crazy, like I would put things in the basket and then go, actually, I don't really like that, but then I didn't even know what I did like. It was like, that's crazy when you're so far from yourself. You're so disconnected from yourself and disconnection for me happened So many times because when you're in a situation where it's really horrible, whether it's abusive or something scary is happening, you know, temporarily you can disconnect mentally to basically save yourself from the pain of it all because it could be too much to handle at that time. And that's a good protection mechanism that we have. But if you're doing it and it's happening again and again and again and again, you get totally disconnected. So you feel... you almost feel like you're in a computer game and your life isn't really your life. You don't feel like you're engaged within you, within your body. It feels like you're almost like within a simulation and you're playing a role or you're playing a part, but you're not really fully engaged with yourself. It's a horrible way to live and it's a horrible way to feel. And for me, literally I felt like I was going mentally mad. Um, and you know, to, to get reconnected back in again. And for me, that, uh, the real true kind of starting moment for me, like a really big moment was actually in the float tank where I was by myself, nothing else going on. I was able to think the thoughts that I was thinking beforehand where I was just about to have a panic attack. And I was able to critically think about those things, not feel overwhelmed because the float tank makes you so calm that you can't really engage all that emotional stuff. Like I actually tried, I couldn't. And I was able to just look at them and see them logically without all the emotion, without all the background, without all the filters, without all the kind of negative input that had been put behind it. I could just see them for what they were. That was really fundamental. It was like a a really big shift. And it was a part of that reconnection process and connecting back into yourself is amazing, I mean, and I suppose that's the thing where, you know, ultimately, like I love you and I love you completely and you're my soulmate, but I can't live your life and I can't make you happy. But, and also you can't live my life and you can't make me happy. You know, we're adding to each other's lives and we're we're making it more beautiful and making this adventure more amazing together, being together, and I love it. But I had to do my work first and I had to be connected back to myself and know that I'm responsible for me, for my happiness, for my peace, for my joy, for my inner healing, for whatever it is. And before I always thought that everybody knew the answers and I didn't know the answers. And that's why I was always looking out for help in so many different areas. And it's like, no, no, it comes actually within. And sometimes it's it's you know, it feels like it's um divine that you're given knowledge or you're given words or moments. Like last night we went for a walk. Wow. We went for a walk. We wanted to see the moon. The full moon was out like looking amazing. We could only see part of it through the clouds. There was a lunar eclipse, but we couldn't see it in Uh, in Europe. I did look, I couldn't see it. Um, But anyway, we went out for a wee walk, about midnight. We do that quite often. I love walking at the start of the day and the end of the day. And we walked down to the park and we were looking at the star constellations and we were getting to know those ones and we were looking at Gemini. And then suddenly it was like the biggest shooting star I have ever seen, you've ever seen. We don't even think it was a shooting star because it was just...
0: Well, there's no such thing as just...
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Materials flying into the atmosphere, right?
1: But it was huge and it lasted for ages. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it like burnt up in like like a shooting like ball and you could see it light up and it was like golden and then it went white and then it went blue and then it went white and it was just like what do we just see? Like I still can't
0: Yeah, it was mind blowing because just when we thought it had reached this like crescendo And we like screamed at that crescendo. It just got brighter and brighter. And we're like, ah, like, holy shit. And I literally felt it in my heart, like something burning in my heart. It was incredible. And we just were speechless going like, what in the world did we just witness? And and now is that, right? Like I literally think about it like constantly. I tried to tag it. Because I don't want to forget mm. that special moment that we had. And right? that we
1: both saw. We were both looking at the same spot because we were talking about that star constellation. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Like incredible. And it's like, you can't script stuff like that. No. Like, that's like way beyond, out of our control, out mm-hmm. of our comprehension. It was like, what was it? And to, but.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's just we, how
1: amazing that was, how beautiful it was. Absolutely. Like, what a gift
0: it was amazing Mm yeah so we need to wrap up that was deep incredible awesome conversation um a lot to think about digest and again like people please stop or don't listen to me just maybe listen to the advice, right? Because this comes down to stop following something, right? A teacher, an authority, right? Like you listen to the teachings. Try to find the gems, the wisdom, the insights. Try to sift through the crap, right? Because there are legit news organizations out there but the problem is they put out truth truth false false truth truth to truth, truth, false truth you know it's like but you think it's all true right and it's the same thing like question everything question not to be a dick about it but like literally question yourself too right like yes we do have some kind of weird sixth sense you know you get goosebumps your stomach feels a certain way your heart feels a certain way right gut instincts right that's why they call it that Mm -hmm. Um, but don't throw science away either right like but again like everybody's got an agenda people have like jobs that they want to keep or titles right or they they've you know funding right because the news on even the the extreme conspiracy sides is also can be really wacky right but there is truth to some of those too because it's like you know it doesn't at least for me i'm like we're gonna go into a whole other thing but i just want to leave this like not everything that we see in history is completely true right you can watch an event on video and see it from your own lens and it can be distorted right so no one really has it completely but it's like who can be the most accurate and 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 admit when you're wrong you know, like no one gets it right 100% of the time, but it's like who's the most accurate, who has the most tools, who can take the most data in and then make a decision based on that, you know? Or sometimes you get too much data. So it's understanding that there's nothing for sure or certain as far as we know. Like science only knows up to a certain point but again things can be a double-edged sword and you know mathematics seems pretty straightforward right but then it gets a little wonky when you start getting into like atomics you know past molecules and like quarks and then they're going into like dark energy. like it's insane what's out there So in the end, do your best, make mistakes, admit when you're wrong, and get at it again. And that's what we're trying to do. We're just doing a little bit every day. We're trying to talk to people where there has been some tensions. You know, hopefully we can clear things out and be okay if we can't. But at least we know that we made the effort to address it, right? And it's not always gonna be sunshines and rainbows, right? It's gonna be messy. There's gonna be dark, stormy days, but just know that this too shall pass. So any final words, Judy Florile? A
1: little phrase that I read recently. Don't fight to be right. Make sure that you're kind. Being right isn't always the good thing. It's being kind. And I think that just boils right back down to everything with love. What are, your, what are your motivations? Why are you on that diet? Why are you doing that exercise? Why are you engaging with that person or that organization? Or why are you making the decisions within your career or your marriage? Is it because of love or is it because of fear? To me, it just boils down to those two things and it's motivated by love. Listen to your intuition, you have three brains, your brain brain, your heart brain and your gut brain. And you need to do them in the order of your gut, your heart and your brain and keep them in that order. And your gut instinct is there, it's there for a reason. And sometimes you can't explain it and you don't understand why. But hindsight usually is the wonderful thing where it all comes together and it all makes sense. And that you're your only guide yes other people are there that you can help to give you advice and wisdom and knowledge and take the gems as you said from it but ultimately you're on your journey and you're your best guide
0: wonderful thank you so much thank you, thank you everybody for listening thank you and uh the great wonderful beautiful judy flu